Well, Bob, the Phillies had an opportunity finally to get a breather on Monday after playing some ridiculous number of games in a row. I think it was 17. Yeah, 17 uh, and 17. 17 in a row. Uh, 17 straight days. Finally get a break and come out tonight. It's Tuesday. We're recording uh, following their first game back at, at home against the Detroit Tigers. And the game was like this. That was the game. The entire game was that. A three-hour fart noise. <laughs> it was three. Yeah. It was a, yeah. They lost to the Tigers, the the slap hitting, terrible offense. Tigers three to one. Um, Vince Velasquez was not as sharp as he'd been his first four starts. The offense w- is in hiding at this point. Um, uh, it's just a uh, just a, a nightmare uh, tonight. <laughs> uh, but not not that it not that it should be something that we dwell on beyond more than just tonight but the fact was is this was you know you can't get come off the day off you can finally get back home where you where the team has played well uh, and you think okay get get back rolling again here and and you know in front of the home crowd against a bad team and uh i'm sorry that's my phone going off i gotta turn it off that's and okay. uh, and uh yeah they give you a clunker well Let's tell the people what we talked about before the game. I said, or before the podcast, I said, I, I don't know. Like, who cares? It's one game, right? And you said to me, what? You, what did you say after I said that? You I'll, said, I'll see if I can push a couple buttons. Yeah, like, so you have to do that for me to, to, tonight because I yeah. just, I don't know, man. Like, this is the way I, I look at it. They, they were coming off their first off day in, in over two weeks. I just think it's a situation. I know they're playing a bad Tigers team. They just got done with a bad Marlins team. They won three out of four. I don't want to do the whole, like, it's a Tuesday night in April, it's not the end of the world thing, and completely dismiss what we watch, because I think there were some things that you could take away from it, and some of them are a concern. I just, I I didn't have anything tonight, much like the Phillies didn't have anything tonight. I just kind of, I watched it, I said, this this was a shitty performance. I thought they could have, you know, certainly done something with Spencer Turnbull. I mean, he was a guy that wasn't supposed to pitch until tomorrow, um, a, a relatively young guy. His stuff's okay, but, I mean, he dominated the Phillies. They only had one hit after the second inning tonight. I would I would chalk it up more or less to just there are days like this. This is going to happen from time to time. Mm-hmm. I'm not overly concerned. I'll, we'll get into why I'm not personally overly concerned about what I watch tonight. But, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, so where where are you at on this and what, what annoyed you most and, and what are you going to try to get me all fired up about here? So I, I'm not necessarily going to try and get you fired up, but I'm going to at least try and get you to, you know, come out of your slumber. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, you're, you're not wrong. In in the sense that it, it's just it, it it's just one of those games, right? I mean, it could just well be offenses and clicking. They don't hit against a you know mediocre pitcher. Uh, Velasquez gives you an you know a typical old fashioned Vinny Velasquez start where he throws ninety nine pitches in three and two thirds innings. Um, even though he hadn't, even though he had he only given up the three runs, he had, it wasn't like he had given up a ton, but he just couldn't. You know what? An interesting thing. I I, I wanted to point this out. The, the Tigers fouled off twenty five of those ninety nine pitches. Yeah. So I think that there's something there. We'll get into that in just a minute. I will. I, I think that when we talk about Vinny Velasquez specifically, I think that there's something there that I want to bring up. But um, on the whole, what button am I going to push? It's easy to sit there and and, and look at this game as a microcosm of of itself, right? And just, or I mean, look at this thing and not say it's a microcosm of the season. Um, but you look at the last 18 games and they're just a 500 team. 
And they have the same record right now that they had at this time a year ago after 29 games. And last year we were kind of optimistic, right? Like, oh, oh yeah, this is pretty good. This is this is a good start. Even though we weren't liking some of the things we were seeing, at least it was like, well, the team's competitive for the first time in seven years. This is a good thing. This year we're at the same point. 16 and 13, you're on pace for 89 wins. That's if you do the math and stretch it out, that would be an 89-win season, which would be a very good season, which would be more wins than either you or I predicted for this team this year. And yet, when you look at the last 18 games, you say, well, they're just 500. There are a lot of games in there against teams like the Marlins and the and the and, and the Tigers now and then yet even the Rockies were struggling when until they you know until they saw the Phillies and you sit there and say what this should be different like this should feel better than it does and it just eh, it just doesn't and i think that that's the, that's the button that i want to push because i think that we both kind of expected it to be a little bit better than this. Even if the record wasn't quite there, that at least you would sit there and say, well, this offense is rolling, and we know once the pitching turns around, everything will be fine. There's just something that just doesn't seem right in my mind, and that's where I want to see where you think with that. Well, I, I think there are a few different things. I'll start by saying, so uh, we'll get this out of the way near the top of the show. Um, we are now down at, at the Phillies games, and uh, I, was, I had the opportunity to get over to the stadium a couple times uh, over the past weekend against the Marlins. And uh, on Sunday afternoon, actually, Bob Brookover was uh, at the post-game uh, press conference, Gabe Kapler's post-game press conference, and he had, he had asked Gabe a question along those lines. You know, you, you had the same record um, after 28 games last year. You're 16-12. and 12. This year you're 16-12. and 12. You, you have to feel like you're just on a, a completely different planet, though, this year is what Brookover had asked uh, Kapler. And, you know, Gabe's response was something along the lines of like, yeah, I mean, we, we feel like we're a much more talented team. We're further along than we were a year ago, and I think it's hard to argue that. I mean, I, I just look at this and I say, you're at the end of April here. You're in first place. You've dealt with a, a myriad of injuries, and I think that that's something that kind of goes overlooked here. I mean, you're running out Nick Williams right now, Aaron Altair. These are guys that you, you're probably seeing a little bit more of than you'd probably like to. I think that that needs to be taken into consideration. Gene Segura, who we both love, uh, was out of the lineup for, for 10 games, and, and then he finally comes back, and he gets hit in the head, and he misses Saturday. They go on to win the game, but he's been in and out of the lineup in recent weeks. You lose Scott Kingery. It's... You know, I don't want to excuse away their struggles, but I do think that you have to take a few different things into consideration. The Phillies wouldn't be the first team with a potent offense that's inconsistent in the early going. You know, there's still plenty of time for these guys to rev up, and I hate that everything always has to go back to, you know, 2008, 2009, but we've been down this road before where we see a really good offense not really fully hit its stride until maybe mid-June, late June, and into July. So, like, I can't smash the panic button after... 29 games because we've seen some inconsistencies with what's been a fairly injured offense at this point. You're missing substantial pieces. So that's why I'm not going to overreact to what I've seen. Now we can talk about individual guys a little bit if you want to. Two weeks ago we would have been freaking out about JT Real Muto. What the hell's wrong with him? He's off to a really sluggish start. Well now you look up at his stat line and, and you say, well wow, he's, he's doing exactly what they thought he was going to do. And I, I do want to get into Bryce Harper specifically in a little bit because there are some interesting things that are being said about Bryce Harper right now, then I, I want to try to 
maybe calm down some people that aren't thrilled with what they're seeing from him at this point. There are concerns here. There are certainly some things that you, you don't like. You'd like to see them take advantage of a, you know coming after a, a day off, going out and facing a relatively young pitcher with, I thought, who had okay stuff tonight, but no reason to have the type of offensive output they had this evening. Um, I just... I'm not overly concerned about it, and that's really all I can say. Like, I, I just think that it's April. They're in first place. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think one point that you make that makes a lot of sense is that uh, it's, it's a weak schedule. Like, they haven't played a, a ton of quality teams here, and they really should maybe be running up the win total a little bit more. I will concede that, but just where we're at on the calendar and, and really what they've dealt with contextually, I'm not too upset about where they're at right now. No, and, and I get it, and and, and, and that's fair. And, I, and you gave me a good response there. Um, I, I just tend to look at it, you know, a little bit differently in the sense that I sit there and say, yeah, okay, you've had a couple of injuries – but you, you know, the, you've you've been trotting out your pretty regular lineup, I and mean, with the exception of the fact that Odubel Herrera is not in there right now, you know, you've been they've been kind of piecemealing it. Um, with uh, first it was Roman Quinn, then Aaron Altair, now Nick Williams, uh, and yes, Segura missed uh, definitely missed time, but he's come back and you know he had a three hit game the other night, the day after getting beamed in the head, right? So I mean, you know, you look at tonight and Segura and Harper are combined zero for eight. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's just one game, but you know, it's, that's going to happen as well. But I, I'm starting to see, uh, just, I just start to see little cracks. Yeah. Little... Segura, Segura, interestingly, he has nine multi-hit games already. Yeah. And, and he was on the, you know, the injured list for, for 10 days. Yeah. And then you look at it and actually interesting note on him that, that, uh, the Phillies PR staff had unearthed, he leads the majors with 23 three hit games since the start of the 2018 season that's pretty damn good yeah it is Uh, is. to that end though and i I will i will say this you mentioned segura's three hits on sunday afternoon do you know how many uh, hits the phillies had on sunday afternoon as a team Four. Four was just four? <laughs> so, yeah, he had three I know, of the team's four I know hits. they only had a few. I yeah, know if there was five or six. Three of the team's guess. four hits on uh, Sunday, and then they only had four hits again tonight. So, yeah. I mean, there is something to be said for your point here. They have not been terrific offensively. They had the big bust-out game on Saturday, but they were quiet earlier in the series, uh, the first game of the series against the Marlins. It seems like they really struggle in the first game of series. If you go back now over the last, like, two weeks or so, that uh, they're almost consistently losing game one of every series, um, just which is sort of bizarre, and the the offense has struggled in those games as well. Yeah, like I said, I, I I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I think it's a you know this great collapse offensively, um, but you you just see little little chinks in the armor, right? You see little things here and there, and look, they still got the top four, top four guy or five guys in the lineup actually, if you count Franco because he's batting eighth, but. They still got five guys in the lineup with OPSs over 800. Romuto's real close. Uh, I think he's 791 now. So I mean, you know, if if you tell me that you know after 162 games you're going to have six guys over 800 OPS, they're gonna they're gonna win many many more games. But you know, you also think you also got to sit there and say, well, some of these guys are going to you know regress back towards the the mean a little bit, right? And so you, you can't expect Michael Franco to continue to be, you know, what he was the first two and a half, three weeks of the season. 
And tonight was an example of a night where this was a this was old Mike Calfranco, zero for four with three strikeouts. Right, Megan um, uh, Megan Montemurro of the Athletic wrote a story today. I don't know if you saw it. No. About how Mike Calfranco has just really be, become this great contact hitter, and he has like the third lowest strikeout rate of any major league regular. Uh, entering t- tonight's play, and then he goes out and he strikes out three times yeah. tonight, which is amazing. And she tweeted, and she goes, "Whoops, you know, like kind of yeah. like I hope I didn't jinx him, but yeah, no, I exactly. mean, he really has. He has been good this year, and you know, it, it, tonight aside, he he was pulling off. He kind of looked a little bit like the old Michael Franco. Yeah, uh, don't want to overreact to what we're seeing after you know one game here, but it was it was a little bit of a off night for him for sure. Yeah, I mean, you and I have talked, uh, uh, you know, about Cesar Hernandez. Really don't know where where he's going to fit here much longer. Um, he just fr- he's just frustrating. Like, and all of a sudden he's all of a sudden he's turned into uh, Chuck Knobloch at second base. Uh, he's, he's been got the, absolutely he's, got the he's been absolutely <laughs> horrendous. Actually, he was one of the guys I wanted to talk a little bit about. Now, to his credit, he was hitting in the mid one hundreds. You know, two two and a half weeks into the season, and over the last. Uh, you know, I would say maybe 15 games or so, he started to really turn things on, and now he's kind of up over 250 into the 260s. And, uh, you know, credit to him for that. He's, he's heated up a little bit here in recent weeks. Awesome. But you've seen now over the last week or so, and I actually it goes back to the Mets-Phillies uh, series uh, at the end of last week. There was a fly ball to shallow right field, and, and Hernandez had drifted out, and Harper kind of called him off, and Harper made the catch, but he was visibly upset because Hernandez failed to get out of the way. And we've seen this now. I believe a similar type of ball happened on Saturday as well. Uh, There was a a miscommunication, misplay on a pop-up tonight. There was a play on Sunday afternoon, the the lone run that Zach Eflin gave up. There was a squibber up the middle. It was Gene Segura's baseball. He had his momentum coming towards the first base bag. And Hernandez, for whatever reason, I mean, he had no play on the ball. He's the one that goes and he cuts off Segura and a run scores on it. And it's just like, it seems like every night there are one or two awkward, if not errors, awkward misplays by Cesar Hernandez. And it's, it's really kind of started to become a thing. And you look at his defense, and among any major league second baseman at this point in the season that's played at least 20 games, he has the third lowest fielding percentage. So it's not just the awkward misplays. He's also not fielding the ball cleanly at all, you know, even on the routine plays that you can be scored an error on. And it kind of jammed up Vince Velasquez tonight, I think, too, because once, once that misplay happened, that's kind of when all hell broke loose there in that third inning. Yeah, and I, you're right. And I'll tell you another thing. You know, you talked about him starting to hit a little bit. Got the average up over 260 now after such a terrible start, and that's all well and good too. But you know, in the last four games, he's left ten runners on base. Yeah. So he's not he's not hitting in clutch spots. He's getting he's getting his hits. He's getting those you know his his singles and and he's adding to the you know bolstering his batting average. But there's a lot more to the game than that. And you know you gotta you gotta get those hits when guys are on base yeah this was uh Kapler uh, he was asked about this uh Kapler was asked about this after Sunday's game and I included this in my little story here let me tell you what he said about this it was uh just like hitters tend to go through slumps they go through 7 8 15 days where they're just not seeing the ball that well they don't have a rhythm at the plate he doesn't have his rhythm on defense, and he's struggling through a tough time. It's unfortunate, but we're going to stick with him. He's been a good defender in the past, just like he was earlier in the season offensively. He was a good offensive player in the past. We knew that was going to come around. It did. His defense will come around as well. 
I mean, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, we talk about him being a good, de- good defensive player in the past. If you believe in defensive runs saved, I believe he was negative 10 in that last season, which compared to other Phillies was actually pretty decent, uh, but certainly below league average. So I, I don't know. His uh, Gabe's thing is like, let's preach patience at this point. I, I don't blame him for that. I, he doesn't really have any other option but right. to preach patience. But I would have to imagine that the Phillies can't be too pleased with what they're getting from him defensively right now. No, they they really can't, and and that's that's why you know Scott Kingery can't come back quick enough, as far as I'm concerned. It's amazing that Scott Kingery has become like the the cure all to everything on this team. You know, we <laughs> we talked about him last year, and I think and we we've said it, and I know that sometimes it, it gets almost repetitive, but I think that we both you know, kind of saw the upside in Scott Kingery even when he was struggling last year. I don't think that either of us really ever wrote him off. And you coming into the season specifically had said that he was going to be an integral part of what this team does, you know, this year. True. And and he got off to a great start. I don't want to place everything on his shoulders because I don't know that he's ready to kind of, you know, bear that burden. But yeah, I, I think we're starting to reach the point of Cesar Hernandez isn't going to be a 300 hitter or going to be a 360, 370 on base guy and, and at least play dependable defense, if not excellent or above average, at least dependable defense. Then I think that the Phillies really have something they're going to need to think about with him. Yeah, and so here's the other thing, the other reason why, and you know, you you mentioned it briefly, you know, and I sit that sat there and said that. You know, hey, they're 500 in their last 18 games, but it's not like they're playing the, the best teams in, in the game. And you said, yeah, you make a good point with that. And it, here's why I think they need to write it, write the ship a little bit, Bob, especially offensively. Because I think the pitching is what it is. I think their pitching is okay, but not great. And it's going to be okay, but not great for pretty much all season unless they add something via trade. Um, when you look at what's coming up for them, the month of May – and into the beginning of June is brutal schedule wise. Um, after after Thursday, there's only two more off days, um, and through before between now and June fifth. Um, and when you look at who's coming up, you got the you got the Nationals coming in. Now I know they haven't been great, but they're still you know they're a contender in this division. I'm going to say what I've said about the Washington Nationals now for the last season and one month into this season. Yeah. Team sucks. They stink, <laughs> man. Like there's just something there's just something wrong with that team and it wasn't Bryce Harper. You know, I think yeah. that I mean again, it's just one of those things. Yes, you look at them on paper and you go, well, you know, they they have this rotation, they have some really talented offensive players, but I mean, the bullpen is just terrible. And yeah, well, that's been their that's been their Achilles heel forever, their bullpen. And it just it seems like that offense, as good as it can be, and, it, and with some of the talent that it has, there are just so many nights okay. where you know it's almost the same conversation we're having about the Phillies right now, where you're like, well, you know, but they're going to be they're going to be right there with. I mean, this division's not nobody's going to pull away from each other in this sure. division. So you're going to have this those four teams, and they're going to be part of it. So so those three games are important. Then you go on a road trip, starting with St. Louis, who's playing really good baseball right now. Kansas City stinks. Okay, fine. That's a that should be an that should be an easy three games. But then after that, it goes Milwaukee for four, Colorado for three, the Cubs for four, Milwaukee for three, the Cardinals for three, the Dodgers for three, the Padres for three. Holy hell! Yeah. You gotta get it fixed in the next week and a half, man. If they don't, if it's still kind of inconsistent, you're gonna start running into those better teams, and then all of a sudden it could get ugly quick. And that's yeah. why that's why I want to say 
you know, you look at a game like tonight and say, yeah, yeah, one, these happen every once in a while. And you say, yeah, but, you know, I, you know, we've seen this before in 2008 and 2009. And you're dead on right. But the difference is, in 2008 and 2009, we knew those teams were good. We knew those teams were we knew they went to the playoffs in 07, right? So in 08, okay, well, this is a playoff team. You know, okay, they got off to a slow start, blah, 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 blah. 09, they get off to a slow start. Yeah, well, they're the defending world champs. Even if they got off to a slow start in 10, 11, we just knew it was a good team. We think this is a good team. We want to believe this is a good team. You would suspect a team with Andrew McCutcheon, Gene Segura, Reese Hoskins, uh, you know, Bryce Harper, you would expect a team with that t- – JT Romuto. I mean, this this has to be a good offense. Like – I get what you're saying because there was a track record in which they played together and they were successful during that that era. So it was easy to say, well, they did this last year. They've done this the last two years. They'll be fine. So I get what you mean in that way, but how could this offense not be good is the way that I look at it. We're not talking about a a ton of rookies or guys that have these expectations lumped upon them that that have no track record. No. There is a track record of success here. You're right. But it doesn't always work when you think it should work. Now, I mean, let's just look later in the. It could be we could be looking into July. Let's just say, and then all of a sudden, this offense comes to life and they start running, running off like a six, seven game winning streak. And we go, ah, oh, well, there, it, there it is. We, you know, we've been waiting for this all summer. But what I'm saying to you is, is that right now it's a little inconsistent. Yeah. It's not terrible, but it's not what we think it should be. And the point is, is that it's going to get the schedule's going to get crazy soon, and you got to get it right. It's it, it's you, you can't you can't put yourself behind the eight ball just because it's not right right now. This is the time of year where it has to get fixed. It has to get itself righted. And there's nobody to no. This is all individual players. This isn't like oh the you know the manager needs to fix it or the general manager needs to fix it. This is that this is at this point they've put this team together. These guys need to. The players need to fix it, okay? They need to get themselves right, and they need to do it, I, I think, in the next week and a half. I mean, you know, Washington, like we said, Washington is Washington. The Cardinals are good. The Royals stink. I think after that is when it starts to get crazy. So you have, what, one, two, three, four, seven, eight games before it gets crazy? Yeah. These next eight games are, are kind of important for the Phillies. So uh, let's talk a little bit about Bryce Harper specifically. He was 0 for 4 tonight, and uh, he struck out two more times, and that lowers his batting average to 240, and he has an 878 OPS, which is fine. I mean, it's it's fine, maybe not even by his own standards, but he's been okay for the Phillies. That, that would be kind of how I would term his play thus far uh, at this point in the season. One of the things that uh, I've seen kind of jumping up on the uh, Twitter timeline recently there's a lot of talk about his his strikeouts, um, and it really does, and, and I, I get it, because when you watch the Phillies on a day-in, day-out basis, it does seem like he's not making very good contact. So if you look at his career strikeout numbers, uh, he's right around the like 21 to 22% range in terms of K rate in his overall plate appearances. This season, uh, after tonight, I believe, I wrote it down earlier, I believe he's up to 294 Yeah, 29.4% of his at-bats have ended in a strikeout um, this season. That's obviously not good, and, and it's a significant increase from his career averages. So I looked at it, and I said, well, you know, how concerned should we be about this? That's, that's a high percentage of strikeouts. 
He only struck out in 16% of his at-bats in March and April a season ago, and so you go, oh my God, that's, that's, he's striking out almost twice as often, hit the panic button. You go back, and though, you, you dig a little bit deeper. If you go into June and July of last season, he struck out 31.4% of his at-bats during the month of June and in 34% of his at-bats in the month of July last season with the Nationals. And then it dropped all the way back down to like 20% in August. Like we've been here before where Bryce Harper has gone through prolonged stretches, month-long stretches where he hasn't been able to consistently put the bat on the ball. I'm not overly concerned by what I've seen from Bryce Harper to this point. I, I don't know if it's money. I don't know if it's pressure. I don't believe really that it's any of those those things. I think that sometimes we turn to narratives and we turn to the human side or the human element of things to try to explain what we're seeing on the field. I don't know that it's so much that as it's just he's just not making great contact right now. Now, if we get 50, 60 games, 70 games into the season and these numbers don't kind of trend back down towards their his career norms, then I'd be a little bit more concerned about it. Yeah, I mean, one thing I will point out is, um, uh, and they were actually talking about this a little bit on the TV broadcast tonight, is that uh, he actually has changed his stance a little bit mm-hmm. um, to try and yeah, cut down Yeah, swing is a little on, bit on different, that. too, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, he, and, he had some, he, and I will say, though, he did have some some ugly, ugly at-bats tonight, you know, and, and like, I don't want to become, like, I don't want to sound like the Dave Spadaro of the Phillies here all of a sudden, either, you know, like, I, I feel like I'm coming in kind of positive, but... I don't want to just try to explain away every bad thing we're seeing here. Hitting 240 is not great. Bryce Harper's never going to be a 300 hitter for this team, or at least I don't suspect that he will be. But, uh, you know, hitting 240, striking out at the rate at which he is, some of the at-bats tonight, they were concerned to, to an extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, think you're, I think you do have to be a little bit more patient. Um, we've also, we also saw that this was a guy who – when he was going through a, a real rough patch last year, all of a sudden he, he hit a point in the season where he turned it on and yep. was fantastic from that point forward. Um, so, you know, he has that ability to do that. So you, you, you kind of got to give him a little bit more rope. I mean, for God's sake, he's going to be here for 13 years. You, got, yeah. you better give him some rope. Well, there were um, some boos out there tonight. I don't know if you hey, caught that. Yeah, you know, there were. Boos, there, yeah, there a little are. misplay there in right there field. There, the Phillies announcers were very quick to point out that the wind took it, and it was a, he didn't misjudge the ball initially. It was just a wind thing. And yeah. but There it, were some boos. And, you know. Well, people, that's the thing. We talked about this. I mean, th- this fan base is not – That's what, this, this is when we, when we were talking about how he was doing all the right things and saying all the the right things and doing all the you know all the celebrations and the stuff yeah. on social media and we we're saying it's smart because he's buying himself yeah. time right yeah um and it's in a lot of ways it's still he's you know he's on that time that he's bought right now because he's not been great he's been okay he's been fine he's not been bad he's not been great so uh, you know i you it, I anticipate that there will be times in this man's career in Philadelphia, and it will start this year, and there will be times in every year going forward, just because of the nature of the player that he is, where he's going to endure some negative feedback from the Philadelphia Philly fans. It's a, a nice way to say it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's let's jump into uh, the pitching a little bit. Uh, I'll, I'll throw this out at you. Uh, obviously, the starting rotation has had its share of struggles in the early going, but do you know 
who or which NL starting rotation has the best ERA over the last seven days? Well, at least before tonight, anyway. <laughs> uh, I guess it's the Phillies. It is, yes. Now, uh, very, very small sample size. Drink. Uh, somebody said to me, anytime you say small sample size on your po- uh, podcast, I'm going to drink. And I said, okay, that's fine. Uh, it's only been it's only been a week, um, and they did play the the Marlins for four games. Uh, but the Phillies starting rotation has been pretty good. And, you know, we saw Jared Eikhoff uh, on Friday night. He was excellent in that game. And then you certainly had Zach Eflin throw uh, his complete game on Sunday afternoon. This rotation seems to have stabilized a little bit uh, with Eflin and, and certainly what Eikhoff has brought to it since replacing Nick Pavetta. And you would you would suppose, and Aaron Nola was, I thought, pretty good in the first game of that series, uh, though the Phillies lost the game. Do, do you kind of get the sense... Um, that this rotation is beginning to stabilize or that we should feel a little bit more, I don't want to say feel good about it because I think that we certainly understand its shortcomings long term. I, I think that they're going to need to address this. But does it feel like as dire of a concern for you as it might have two weeks ago? I, well, you asked that question. question. I, was, I, I, was ready yeah. to give, I was ready to give an answer, and then you asked it differently at the end there, and that kind of change, changes my answer. No, it's not dire. Um, but at the same time, I'm I'm going to hedge a little bit because I'm I'm going to wait. I'm going to I want them to say, show me, uh, show me what you got because you, I do anticipate Nola will get back on track. And like you said, he he did have a better outing against the Marlins. But again, it was the Marlins. Um, you know, let's see. I, I want to see his next three or four starts and, and see if we get back to the Aaron Nola of last year. And if we do, then I'll be a lot happier. Um, you know, Jake Arrieta. He did not look great against the Mar- against the Marlins. He had a pretty rough night. Uh, it was okay well, you know, in the first five innings, and then he. Then you know, he it's got interesting himself- about those first five innings, right? Like, so it's ten to one, and he wants to go back out there for the sixth. Kapler wasn't going to put him back out there. Arietta yeah, talked himself to back into the yeah. game. You know, it's a yeah. shame because it, it it cost him almost a run on his ERA. Yeah, and it was probably a situation where. You know, he wanted to go back out, and Gabe said, "Okay, fine, go back out." But then Arietta probably wasn't as competitive, right? When he with, with the pitches that he was throwing, and and the Marlins, you know, made him pay for it. Um, but we did see that from Jake Arietta at times last season. So the question is: Is Jake Arietta back to being a top of the rotation guy, or is Jake Arietta going to eventually slip back to the guy he was a season ago for the Phillies, and and was even the year before with the with the Cubs when he was just kind of mediocre? So that that's you know that one's the one I want to wait and see. I, I want to see what which Jake Arietta shows up more often. Um, you know, Velasquez we saw tonight. Like this, this is what happens with Vinny. He had, gives you a couple of good starts, three or four, three good starts, four good starts this year, and you say, all right, maybe he's turned the corner. And then all of a sudden, it's I can't get anybody out. Um, I can't. You know, he had seven strikeouts, and yet. The Tigers fouled off 25 pitches on him, which tells me, and it should tell everyone else, his fastball is not as good as you think. I mean, really, that's, that, that's, what, that's what it means to me that, they're, you know, and, and his, his breaking stuff doesn't break enough. It's, it's, it's serviceable, I guess. It's fine. But if you're, if you're being fouled off 25 times and 99 pitches, that's insane, man. That's, a, that's every fourth pitch is being fouled off. Which tells me you don't have put away stuff. Well, I, I think it, it's partly that, and then uh, I just looked up his his um, pitch distribution tonight, and in the ninety nine pitches that he threw, seventy three of them were fastballs. 
So he threw 69 four-seam fastballs, four two-seamers, and then he only threw 15 sliders and uh, like almost a dozen curveballs. He really just tried to attack the Tigers, and I don't blame him for this because the Tigers are a pretty light-hitting team, but he really tried to attack the Tigers with just the fastball tonight. Uh, and that game plan didn't work. You know, like you talked about the the high volume of foul balls, uh, but he was in and out of the zone. It seemed like he would try to go up top a lot and, and really didn't do so with any effectiveness. Um, it, with that said, it was a weird game for him in the sense that he retired, I believe, the first seven batters that he faced, and he had seven strikeouts in only, you know, three and two-thirds innings pitched. It was, it was a weird game to say that he didn't have good stuff because the strikeouts were there. Yeah, but yeah, then, yeah. But, but I want to stop you for a second because the Tigers against Ronaldo Lopez the other day, out, what twenty times? Four, fourteen. He had fourteen <laughs> of the strikeouts. Yeah. He's not a strikeout pitcher. Yeah. So sometimes when you look at it and say, okay, well he had seven strikeouts. Yeah, is it is it him though, or is it the team that he's right. playing against is not very good? Yeah, I mean he wasn't sharp and he had three walks too in three and two thirds innings, and that's something that he had been pretty good with this season. He had limited the free passes, and I think that that's one form of regression that we saw. And then he started to get hit hard, especially in that third inning there once uh, Hernandez had the uh, misplay at second base. And so he ends up giving up six hits. And it just looked like he – it was almost like he couldn't get it back after that misplay. Like it, I think that kind of took him out of the little bit of a flow that he had had going, even though he wasn't pitching with great pace. Um, it, it just seemed like he couldn't quite recover from that when it happened. Uh, really weird start for him tonight. And the, the, just the – just how one-dimensional his his arsenal was tonight was kind of what jumped out at me. Like I just I, I'm surprised to see that he threw almost exclusively fastballs. I mean, you're talking roughly 75 percent of his pitches were fastballs tonight. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And so, I mean, this is this kind of you know just to finish up what we were saying. You know, I I, I want to like Zach Eflin, uh, but I mean, we also we've also you know he gives you a, a complete game against the Marlins, but his last start before that against the Mets was not very good. Um, you know, I want to believe that Jared Eikhoff can be, you know, better than what Pavetta, Nick Pavetta was giving you. And he was really good against the Marlins, but not as good against Colorado. Right. So, I mean, you know, it's it, again, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to hedge. I, like, oh, and that's I, fair. I mean, I, listen, you know, you know I, like, I, I think that that's completely understandable. I, I look at it, and I'll tell you one thing that I was encouraged about with Jared Eikhoff uh, specifically you know, he goes out on, on Friday night, and his curveball right now, like, I, you talk about guys, and, and you said, like, Vince Velasquez's fastball isn't as good as, as the hype around it, right? But, right. like, I look at what Jared Eikhoff's doing with the curveball right now, and you, you have to almost start to say, like, this is a legitimate pitch. I mean, this is a high-quality major league pitch right now. And, uh, you know, on, on Friday night, the curveball for him was outstanding, and I'm starting to look at this, and this isn't the first time that we've seen this. You know, you're starting to go back in the strikeouts, which he's never been a strikeout pitcher. But all of a sudden, like, his last four times out, like, he's really racked up the strikeouts. You know, even dating back to last season, he had this, like, throwaway start after all the injury issues at the end of the year against the Braves. And he only lasted, like, I think it was, I think he might have lasted, like, three and two-thirds innings. It was less than four innings pitched. But he had eight strikeouts, and you're like, well, wait a minute. And then he comes back this season, and the strikeouts have been there as well. And it's almost exclusively, it's almost exclusively with the curveball. And it's, it's an interesting thing to me. And I used to always say this about Cole Hamels. Like, what was Cole Hamels' best pitch? Like, what did he Ch make a living on? Yeah, change up. The change up. And you okay. knew more often than not that that change up was coming. 
and hitters couldn't do anything with it. And and Eikhoff right now is in this situation where you know that the curveball is going to be a, a big part of what he's about to bring, and yet teams aren't doing anything with it. Like, here you go. Of the 20 strikeouts he's recorded in 17 innings pitched this season, 15 have come via the curveball. Like, and the contact isn't very good on it either. He, late in the game in his start on Friday night, he threw, uh, it, I think it was like a five or six pitch inning or something like that. I mean, it was a really crisp, efficient inning at the end of that start. And it was all curveball. And, and nobody could square it up. And so I start to look at that and I go, okay, like maybe Jared Eikhoff has something working for him here. Well, I hope you're right, Bob. <laughs> but we, we've seen this before with him, right? I mean, he, he had... When he first came over after in the in the Hamels trade, um, you know, for for like a season and a half, I mean, Jared Eikhoff looked like a guy who you thought, oh yeah, he's going to be a, a you know solid part of this rotation for for a while. Then it kind of went sour. Um, he got hurt, struggled to get back from injury, sort of fell out of favor with the organization. Started the season in in AAA, uh, even though he was healthy. Um, and so, like, you sit there and say, well, maybe maybe that was the peak for him. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that's not supposed to be here right now. Right. So so you hope you hope that, you know, hey, he's going to get an opportunity. And, he, you know, you hope you, he finds what was working for him a few seasons ago. And if he does, then he's certainly a viable middle-of-the-rotation guy for this team. And then... I'm a lot more optimistic about the pitching than I've been to this point. Um, yeah, so, I, yeah, so I'm rooting for it. I hope it happens. And I think that that kind of is what it comes back to for me. There's, I, I, I trust Aaron Nola. I, I don't know that he's going to revert to 2018 borderline Cy Young form. I don't know that he's going to be that, but I do think that he's going to pitch like a viable number one starter more often than not. I, I have to believe that. I mean, there's really no reason not to. Beyond him, like I will say that I thought it was a pretty solid month of April for from Jake Arrieta. Like, if you ask me where are you at on Jake Arrieta after the month of April or March and April, I'd say I'm pretty optimistic about what I saw from him. He looks better to me than he did a year ago. I know that he had good months at times, uh, and then he had wretched months last season. I'm aware of that. I just think that overall, I feel pretty good about him. I feel pretty good about Jared Eikhoff. I feel pretty good about Zach Eflin. Like, are any of these guys a sure thing? No. And I think that that's the problem. And, you know, you're pitching against Max Scherzer. You know what you're getting from Max Scherzer. You don't know what you're going to get from Jared Eichoff. You don't know what you're going to get from Zach Eflin. And to a lesser extent, you probably don't know what you're getting from Arietta or Nola at, at this exact moment. But I think that there's enough upside there and there's enough intrigue there that I'm not overly concerned about the Phillies rotation as a whole after the first month. And and so while I would say that I'm not in love with it and that I don't think it's uh, you know a top third rotation in Major League Baseball right now, I would say that I do think it's competent enough that the Phillies can tread water and, and be competitive and, and then assess where they're at come July. Like I don't think it's going to sink them before we get to the trade deadline. I'll put it to you that way. Okay. No, I, I, look, I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you. I'm just more of, I'm a little bit less of, you know, the optimist at this yeah, point. Yeah, and with reason. I mean, you look at what Vince Velasquez did tonight, and you say, well, there you go, because this is what we're used to seeing, and, and this is 
this is kind of what people were waiting for from him, and, and sure enough, it happened tonight. And so what does Zach Eflin do next time out? What does Jared Eichhoff do next time out? And that's what we kind of have to wait and see about. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that's what it, I think that's, you know, this is why I'm ta- – this is why – and look, I, I feel like I've, I've, I've actually woken you up a little bit. I, and I, it's good, and I like it. I like that <laughs> you got a little bit of fire now, and it's, it's, it's awesome. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean it has, you know, you have to be negative, but you're able to sit there and say, well, yeah, I mean, here's, here's what you're optimistic about. And I, I can certainly see that. I can certainly see that optimism, but it has to, to me, it has to come out. We have, we have to see that optimism turn into results in the next two weeks. I, I really firmly believe that. Otherwise, Bob, I have a, I have a, a, a concern that. When we get to the crossed up episode that airs, you know, just before, you know, the week before Memorial Day, that we could be a couple of miserable <laughs> bastards. On and you're the, on playing the radio, back this audio show. from this uh, from this podcast, and you go, "Remember you, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> bright eyed, bushy tailed, you know, so yeah. optimistic back on April 30th." Yeah, that's you know? my point, and that, that's 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 the only thing I wanted to point out. I mean, like, I, like, I think I don't think you're you're wrong. I just I'm just not I'm not ready to to you know jump off the the you know jump into the water without uh, a safety vest at this point that's, that's the only thing i don't know if you have anything else that you absolutely want to hit on but there are two things that i i certainly want to get to um and and i i credit the phillies in this way um we have to talk about adam morgan at this point i i think he goes out again tonight and uh, pitches another clean inning and uh, he has not given up a run yet this yeah. season. And I don't know if that was the kiss of death that I just gave him. But we're talking about now 15 appearances without a run and an 5 whip. I mean, the Phillies, I think, easily could have moved on from Adam Morgan. I think they could have easily just said, this isn't going to happen. The guy's 29 years old. It's not like... It's not like he was like a 23, 24-year-old kid figuring it out the last two years. I know that he had showed signs of, uh, and flashes of, of ability at times, but he was never really able to put it all together, and the Phillies stuck with him. And I don't know if it was because of an inability to go out and find another true lefty reliever, and this was just sort of what they were left with, and they lucked into this. But right now, th- this is a different guy, and it's, um, he, he really hasn't been talked about a whole lot. You know, he's not the guy that really running out of those bullpen doors that we, we talk about very often, but he's been sensational to this point. Yeah, and I think that the reason why he's not being talked about enough, Bob, is is because I don't I don't think they're using him enough. Yeah. <laughs> yes, 15 games, but he's got, what, 11 yeah, like two-thirds a little, innings? Yeah, a little less than 12 innings. Yeah, yeah, so he's not even pitching a full inning every time he comes out. I want to. He's pitching so well. I want to see him pitch more. Or we, you, is he pitching so well that you don't want to change anything about it and just take what you can get from Adam Morgan? I, is you know I I hear you. Like I want to see more Adam Morgan too. Uh, you know I don't need to necessarily see Hector Neris every other night, well, who I I'll, like. But I'll, t- I'll tell you why I want to see more because I know he can do more. He's been used in a role in the past. Well, first of all, he was a starter in 15 and 16, right? So we know that he can pitch with, pitch with length. In 17, when he really had a decent year out of the bullpen, started off miserable, got sent down, came back up, and was actually pretty good the second half of 2017 when the Phillies were, what, one game under 500 after the All-Star break? Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam Morgan was a pretty 
you know, important piece of that bullpen in that second half and actually was pretty solid. He ended up with a one, two, six whip, which is not terrible. Um, uh, then last year, I think we had more expectation from him because of the way he finished 2017 and he didn't have as great a year last year. And so it was probably like, okay, now let's, we can, maybe we can just move on from this guy. You know what? I can't get out of my head from him last season, that game in Chicago where, yeah. where Hayward yep. <laughs> walks him off. Like yeah. I just, Ah, right. <laughs> that was one that I, I still haven't gotten over. Yeah, it was a killer. Um, but yeah, so like, I, so knowing though that he, you know, had in 2017 he appeared in 37 games and threw 54 and two thirds innings. That's more what I'd like to see, and he, and he had that was his best year for the Phillies. So that's what I'd like to see more of. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know if they're just trying to, you know, I, look. I, and I'm also I've also been critical of Gabe overusing the bullpen so i don't want him to overuse him but i just want find something in the middle you know <laughs> get him get him a little bit more time right you know he had one appearance uh, where he relieved aaron nola where he came in through four pitches and then was out of the game right and it's like gee, he can come back that next inning for more than four pitches he you can th- you can throw him another inning there you go an inning and a third it's okay you know that's what i'd like to see more and i know he came in and got a tough lefty i get it right that was to charlie blackman we talked about that yeah. on the episode yep, before yep, yep. um you know that was that's great he got charlie blackman i'd like to see him pitch to some other guys in that lineup they, you know if it wasn't for bryce harper hitting a home three run home run in that game they could have lost because the rest of the bullpen wasn't as good later on in the game. Yeah, I'm curious to see how things progress with him. Uh, I wonder if Gabe kind of looks at this and says, well, you know, he's been so effective, we need to give him more, and and will that happen as this thing moves forward into May? And I, I would suspect that it will, but I, I really don't know. I mean, I really don't know at this point. Maybe this is just the way that they see that that he's going to be best utilized. And my thing is this. If, if I'm a manager or if I'm a coach of any sport, I'm going to say, okay, I have an athlete or I have a player. What can I do to get the most out of him? And if, if I believe that even flirting with overexposure is maybe going to diminish the returns I'm getting in his usage – then I'm not going to do it. I just wonder what the philosophy is, and maybe this is something you can kind of look into, but I'm, I'm interested to see what the philosophy is and how they're using him right now. Yeah. Might be worth uh, talking Might to him. Might be worth the question. We'll write that one down in the old <laughs> notebook. Write, write that yeah. down for when you're down there next time. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, grab Adam Morgan and just, uh, you know, just, say, just yeah, talk what to do him you about it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll tell you, you can talk to him before the game, even. Just yeah. kind of get a little, uh, yeah. You know, little inside baseball there anyway hey hey adam can i can i have you for a minute <laughs> uh, so uh, let me ask you this i i know where you're kind of at on the phillies i think that you are you know not pessimistic but you're not filled i'm not, with, cha- I'm not changing my yeah, preseason you're not prediction. Brimming with confidence here at 16 <laughs> and 13 i would say um is there a team in this division right now that truly scares you i mean if you look down the division it's it's easy to say oh the phillies are in first place so great but Mets are fifteen and fourteen, a game behind the Phils. You have the Braves, who are four, uh, fifteen and fourteen. I'm sorry, the Mets are, and then you have the Braves, who are fourteen and fifteen, two games behind, and then the Nationals are three and a half games back at twelve and sixteen, and then you have the Marlins, obviously. I mean, are one of these teams? I, I think that you and I agree that they're all dangerous in their own way, and I think that any of the four teams could emerge. I, I, I suppose, although I, like I said, I don't love Washington. 
Um, but is there anything that you've seen from any of these teams that really kind of concerns you if, as, as from a Phillies perspective? Yeah, I think Atlanta is still uh, a little bit dangerous. Um, yeah, they got off to a slow start. Um, but, you know, if you look back at the beginning of the season, um, you know, Josh Donaldson was doing nothing, and he's since figured it out, right, in that lineup. Uh, Acuna's still uh, just on fire. Um, yeah, Albies is, is hitting again, and Freddie Freeman's Freddie Freeman. I mean, it's a pretty good lineup, right? It's it's a solid, solid. Marcakis is hitting over 300 again. Um, and they have a decent bench. I mean, their bench is, is so much better than the Phillies. Yeah. You know, um, so I, there's that. And then I look at the pitching. Now, Fulton Nevich just came back, pitched his first game on Saturday, right? So he's he's finally back, and we know what he did last year. He was really, really good. So I anticipate that, you know, getting him back into the mix is going to help their starting rotation. But then you look, Mike Soroka has looked really good so far in his three starts. Sure he's pitched has. really, really well. Max uh, Max Fried, or Freed, I guess it's pronounced, right? I don't even know. Yeah. Right? Um, he's he was a bullpen guy last year, but he used to be a top prospect for them. He started five games for them. He's pitched really well in those five games. So you look at that and you sit there and say, wow, you know, that maybe they do have, you know, a, enough pitching there. I, you know, these guys were all top end prospects. And now, you know, Freed is 25. Soroka's still a kid. He's still 21. Um, but Fulton Nevich comes back as the, as the ace. If uh, t- if uh, Tehran and uh, Gosman can just be, you know, uh, keep you in games kind of pitchers, they're pretty solid. They're a pretty solid team. I'm in complete agreement with you. I'll I'll, I'll start by saying this: the, the Mets are a game back of the Phillies. The Mets run differential right now is negative 19. Yeah, that's um, not good. Not great. They're under 500 at home. I just we've seen a lot of the Mets here in the early going. I I like a. Uh, Pete Alonzo, I mean, and the McNeil guys a pest. Like, I I get it. Like, I understand why they're a competitive team and, and why they'll probably hang around. And it's certainly with DeGrom and Syndergaard. And, you know, I, look, I get it with them. I just, I don't think they're, I don't think they're a true threat. I really don't. And I don't know if it's because it's the Mets I don't know if it's a New York bias, but I just don't really fear them. I, I truly don't. I think that as things go on, that Atlanta and the Phillies are going to be the two teams that kind of emerge from this pile right now. I The thing that concerns me with Atlanta, in addition to all the things that you just said, they've played 18 games already against teams that are over 500. Yep. So 18 of the Braves' 29 games have been against teams that are over 500, whereas... The Phillies, on the other hand, you know, nine of their 29 games have been against teams that are over 500. And it speaks to the point that you made earlier about the Phillies schedule revving up here in the coming weeks. Now, part of that is because Atlanta was playing the Phillies, you know, and, and that's, that's going to kind of kick up some of the games as well. But I just, I look at this and I do think that this Atlanta team is going to get hot. I think that they're really going to be a problem for the Phillies as this thing rolls on. And I kind of expect those two teams based on what I've seen so far from what I've watched of the four teams from what we've seen from the Phillies I think that that's going to be the biggest matchup problem for them yeah I agree I I certainly agree I think that uh, the the Braves to me I I I picked them at the beginning of the year to win the division I, I I'm going to stick with it I just I think that they're I think that they're just a little bit better 
than than the Phillies are, and I think that that's why we're going to have talk be talking in uh, September about the Phillies battling for a wild card and not necessarily battling for the division. Although I still think they'll be in it. I mean, I'm not going to sit there and say that. Write that the down Braves real are, quick. Let's see. The Braves uh, run away, but April 30th, 11:29 p.m. Anthony Sanfilippo <laughs> wild card Braves championship. Okay. Yeah, well, I yeah. I picked the Braves to win it back back. 11:30. Anthony yeah. Sanfilippo says that the 2019 Atlanta Braves are the best team of all time. Yeah, all time, every ever, yeah. ever, ever, ever. <laughs> um, no, but the only, the only thing that I worry about with the Braves, uh, I guess that they their weakness right now is their bullpen because they have a ton of injuries in the pen. Um, yeah. Biddle's hurt, O'Day's hurt, Sabatka's hurt, Venters is hurt, Vizcaino's hurt. I mean, they, you know, they're missing five guys who started the started the year in their bullpen. I mean, and all they have left there is I think uh, AJ Minter. Um, really, I think that's it. I mean, I, I, who the heck else would they have in that bullpen at the start of the year? Shane yeah, Carl. I, I think that might be it. I mean, uh, so yeah, it's a tough bullpen. That, yeah, so that's where that's where the Braves' weakness is right now. Um, so if you get if you can get to their bullpen, you have a chance to beat them. So, um, but yeah, I still think that I still think they're a the better team. All right. Well, do you have a one last thing this week, or are we just? I do have a, I do have a one up. last thing. Uh, I have okay. a one last thing, and it's a, and it's a quick one. Um, and we also have another five star review, which I, I I'm going to start. You know, Sweet. now that we've asked for them, Bob, this is two in a row, and they've showed up. So I'm going to keep asking for them. But uh, first, the one last thing, um, and, I, and I actually didn't have this until tonight. Um, but tonight, CC Sabathia uh, struck out. Uh, uh, who was the catcher for the freaking Diamondbacks? Um, John Ryan Murphy. That's it, John Ryan Murphy. And uh, got his 3,000th strikeout, which is awesome. My question for you, Bob, in today's baseball, the way the game is now being played, <laughs> will there be another 3,000 strikeout pitcher? Or will or will CC Sabathia be the 17th and final guy in the history of the game? To reach the three thousand strikeout plateau. That's a great question. That's a great question. I will say this: uh, the way that the game is progressed and and the way that the game is played now, the easy answer is to say that no, we will not see this again because you're just not going to get that type of volume in innings. I will say though that someone will come along and defy this pattern and do it eventually. Uh, I'll say that it does happen at least once in the next twenty-five years. I think, but it's going to, but it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while. It is. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, is there anybody even in the current game right now that could approach it? Uh, that's a great question. Just I'm gonna, a, I'm gonna, I can pull it up real fast. I have the uh, I have baseball reference up, so I'll just look at uh, at leaders in strikeouts. Uh, you know, like you talk about, active. obviously, DeGrom and Syndergaard being big strikeout guys. Garrett Cole is another guy, power arm. But he, uh, I, was, I just – That was batters. <laughs> I went to the wrong one. <laughs> I just don't – I don't think – I mean, it, it's going to be tough for that to happen. It really will be. Yeah, I I, I think that we're, we're looking at um, a while yet before it, it happens again. And if it does happen again. Um. So okay, here we are. Active strikeout leaders. So Verlander, I guess Verlander does have a shot. I now, now that I look at it, Verlander's thirty six, and he's uh he's only a couple hundred away. Oh, is, he, is where's he at? What's he? Um, Twenty seven fifty nine. Oh yeah, he'll he'll do it. Yeah, he'll, he's he'll gonna do, do it. it. Scherzer will probably do it. 
He's 500 away. He's 34. So he'll probably God, do it. But beyond that, beyond that. Yeah, now I'm looking at it as well. Felix Hernandez is not going to happen. Granky, I don't. Right. I mean, Granky's no. probably got an outside shot. I doubt it, though. Yeah, I don't. I don't Cole so. Hamels, 24 I know, 45. Right? Ain't, yeah. ain't going to get there. Kershaw's not going to get there. Lester, Santana, Price, Sale. No, none of these guys. Like, if you look at this list, like you're. Yeah. Where's Sale I mean, at the, right now? What's he got? Sales not even he's eighteen twenty one and he's thirty years old. Sale might not get two thousand at this rate the way he's going right yeah. now. Like they're, yeah. the, the yeah. first guy, the, the first guy who is still under thirty is Garrett Cole at one thousand sixty four. Yeah, and it's gonna be tough. It's yeah, gonna be tough. Yeah, Verlander is gonna get it though. So Verlander will probably get it, barring an injury that that you know shuts down his you know last last couple years of his career. Uh, and Scherzer will probably get again. In light of in lieu of injuries, I, those two. But that's it. I mean, that it's it, we're almost at the end here, pal. I got three thousand strikeout pitchers. One last, one last thing. Now that I'm okay. looking at this list, just yeah. humor me here for a second. Greg mm-hmm. Maddox, a Hall of Famer. Greg Maddox. Yeah. Yes. How about Phil Negro? Uh, just say yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Bob Gibson. Of course. Pedro Martinez. Yes. John Smoltz. Yes. CC Sabathia? <laughs> this isn't even my question. This isn't even my question. I'm setting you up. Uh, yes, come on. He was a Yankee. He won a World Series. Uh, yeah, but his his career numbers, I mean, yeah, 3,000 strikeouts probably gets him there, but it, they're not, he's not that great. I mean, I don't know. He's, yeah, one one two five career whip. I, I Lifetime ERA of 3.6, 500, 500 record for his career. Like, I I don't know. In the AL? Come on. 3.6 uh, in the better, AL? Better than 500 record. Yeah. yeah but, uh, yeah, you're uh, right, I yeah. guess. Okay, so the reason why I ask you this is because I just named, like, numbers 10 through uh, 17 on the all-time strikeout list. I glazed over one guy in particular, and that would be uh, Kurt Schilling, who has 3,116 strikeouts. I don't know how you feel about Kurt Schilling as a person. I, I don't. I don't know. It, it, whatever. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, that way, um, he's a Hall of Famer, and yes. I think it's kind of crazy that he's he's not in. And I yeah. think it's completely related to the fact that he tends yep. to say things that people don't like, and yep. that's really not what this whole thing should be judged well, on. You know. Well. Then why, you know, it's the same argument I make as to why Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Yeah, thing. I just, it, it's kind of baffling when you really, you kind of like look at Kurt Schilling and you go, okay, like the bloody sock and the Red Sox thing, but he was so good here for so long. And you just look at the composite numbers at the end of the day in a 20-year career. Yeah. And like, I just how on earth do you keep this guy out of the Hall of Fame? It's crazy. He, he belongs. And I think he'll get in. I think he'll get in. I think it's one of those things where, they're just making him wait. I think that there are his number gets keeps getting going higher and higher each year. He's I, I think he's probably two to two years away before he gets in. Yeah. But I think he gets in. I think he gets yeah. in. Yeah, he should. Yeah, uh, he doesn't seem like a great guy, but he he no. should get in. No. Um, five star review, Bob. Okay, go ahead. From uh, Sean R. Oaks. Okay, Sean All R. Right. Oaks. Thank Sean you, Sean R. Oaks. Uh, loving crossed up five stars as someone who wants to hear Phillies or even general baseball commentary on the radio on their drive to work. The Philadelphia area sports talk shows are just terrible for that. 
I've turned to podcasts within the past year to fill that void and just recently found Crossed Up. Crossed Up provides realistic outlooks and viewpoints that some other local podcasts just don't do. Anthony and Bob definitely pay attention to this team and look to provide their listeners with information about the team that is more than just a box score of the previous game. They talk about advanced statistics, trends, splits, etc., while giving an honest assessment of the team and how they are faring. Unlike other podcasts that seem a little pompous, dishonest in their assessments, and unknowledgeable of the new wave of baseball, Crossed Up is perfect for the diehard fan who follows the Phillies and not just the casual fan who tunes in every so often and overreacts. Thank you both. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Sean. I appreciate that. I I actually got to be honest with you. I I will say this. I, I, from time to time, check in on other Phillies podcasts. There's there's nothing that I feel like, not that we need to have this conversation, I guess, but there's nothing I feel like that is, like, crazy off base with those other podcasts, like the High Hopes one with Fritz and I guess that's James Seltzer on WIP. Like, those guys, like, I feel like they're like they're more fun, you know. Like they just have a little bit more fun with it, whereas I think maybe we get a little bit more nuts and bolts, you know. Yeah. But like I don't know, nothing, nothing crazy. It's, it's all, it's all what you're looking for, yeah. right? I, mean, I don't listen to the uh, what's the other one, the stolenness one. I, to yeah. be honest with you, I don't. I don't, I don't listen. To be honest, I don't listen. Nothing against I only, those guys I, or I, whatever, but. I don't. I don't have. I barely have enough time to record the podcast, podcast let, let alone listen, listen to, to them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so no, I don't listen to those guys. And, and like, look, I think that there's a market for everybody. Hell yeah, man. Um, That's what I said. So, like, uh, listen to ours, listen to everybody else's, and uh, you know. Yeah, and if you and if you like us, then you know, stick with us. That and uh, yeah, we so, appreciate that for sure. Yeah, we definitely appreciate Sean as a, as a relatively new listener, and hopefully, he'll stick with us for a long, a lot longer. So, uh, well, but we do have other we yeah. do have other podcasts. We do, and in, before in you get into network. those podcasts, I uh, just want to let everybody know. Russ texted me this evening and said, "Make sure that you let everyone know that you can listen to all of the podcasts that Anthony uh, is about to talk about on Spotify." Now. Spotify, very yes. exciting. Yes, we're yeah. now on Spotify yeah, too. So. so make sure you check us out there. Go ahead. Yeah, I, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and any other of the uh, podcasting um, forums that you can you can find or that you that you use. You can catch Crossed Up. Uh, you can also catch the Crossing Broadcast, which is our uh, flagship and longest running podcast. It's usually with Russ and Kevin Kincaid. Uh, that's where you get most of your Sixers and Eagles talk. But they talk about all four sports there. Actually, they talk about. I think Russ likes Philadelphia to say it's is a seven, seven, seven for seven. For seven. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know what the hell that means. What is that? Is that the the well the wings? Are they the wings, included in that? The, the, the fusion, the, soccer, the esports the, team, the, the esports. Yeah, because yeah. Kevin went to that esports yeah, thing. That's right. Yeah, so that's why. So that's why it's seven for seven now, right? Um, but they they Russ. recorded tonight. Actually, did they record yeah, tonight? They so that'll did. be that'll be out tomorrow yeah. too. Um, uh, we're in the off season now with hockey with Snow the goalie, but uh, uh, I'm sure we'll have another one coming up pretty soon, um, as well as uh, you know as the uh, NHL playoffs move along, and also uh, as we get into uh, closer to the draft in June, uh, I'll have an update on who I think the Flyers are going to be taking and what players might be moved, et cetera, et cetera. So be sure to follow Russ and I for that. Uh, we're on Twitter, and you can you, know, you can follow us there. Uh, I'm at Ant San Philly. Russ is uh, at Joy on Broad. Bob is um, at BW Crossing Broad. Um, and then uh, we have our soccer podcasts. Um, the It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia, Kevin Kincaid. Um, who's his co- co- current co-host now? They got a new logo, I know. Uh, yeah, they updated the logo. Uh, you know, I'm always honest about it. I'm a straight shooter. I, I, I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I know he's got a new a new co-host, and I forget who it I'm is. Sure, now, he's electric, and you should definitely yeah. tune in. And, and yeah, when you do, you can tell me who it is. It's all about the union, all about the Philadelphia that's union. Right. Can't get and enough then, union talk. And then uh, Russ and Phil Kaidel, um, the other old man that the at the Crossing brought along with me, um, they do uh, Crossing Broad FC, which looks at European soccer, uh, English Premier League. I'm uh, a little especially. bit surprised that you're not a soccer guy. Like you are, you're a pretty cultured guy. Like yeah. I just, yeah. It's a boring ass. I would Bob. peg you as a. Yeah, <laughs> I agree a, with you. It's, it's why I don't. As have a someone that guy. loves baseball, you know, like pot calling <laughs> kettle, I guess. But uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, no, I just I I can't I can't with soccer. Yeah. They, I try. And, like, and you know what? You know what? I I'll tell you what I what the biggest thing for me that I can't get into soccer. The biggest thing for me is there's too many cups. There's too many championships that everybody's competing for. You compete for your league championship. You compete for your country championship. You compete for this regional championship. You compete for the European championship. You go to the World Cup and compete for that. There's too many championships. Just have the damn thing. This is why every, every other American sport succeeds because we only have one. You have one championship. That's it. And then you got to wait till next year. You can't just sit there and say, oh, well, we'll go and compete in this one now. Oh, no, we'll go do this one now. Like, come on, give me a break. That's the, that's what drives me crazy the most about soccer. But anyway, yeah, I mean, I, digre- I digress. <laughs> <laughs> I digress. But, but so, even with that said, you should still listen to all those shows, even if you don't like soccer. You know, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> really, absolutely, really sold the hell out of those, huh? Well, I'm, I'm sure we do have some crossover fans. I'm sure there are some Phillies fans who yeah. do like soccer. So you know what? If you so think, I think I'm, I'm an idiot, go back and edit all these out anyway. <laughs> you, think, you think I'm an idiot and you like soccer? Then you should listen to Kevin's show. And you should listen Absolutely. to Russ and Phil and, and, and enjoy them. So, uh, But, yes, tune in to all the shows on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network. And Bob and I will be back next week. Um, we did a brief look at the schedule there. I, I guess, Bob, uh, I guess next next week, either Monday or Tuesday probably. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like to record after games. So that's yeah. my thing. You said the same thing last night. Like, I, I agree. It, it sets a nice little base for us. It so. does. It gives us something to start with, right? Yeah. So, um, the only thing is, though, is next week they're in St. Louis, which is an hour starting an hour later. That's which okay we'll because be. we did not go past midnight. We are going <laughs> to shut this thing down. It's eleven forty-four p.m. We're not yes. going past the twelve o'clock hour. I'm going to hit stop recording. We'll see you guys next week.